Who among you will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? Welcome back to the Hackberry House, a daily podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church of North Korea. My name is Bob, and this is podcast number 200. It's June 28, 2015. Today's stories, stories, stories coming out of the world's worst prison, namely the nation of North Korea. I'm using information provided by Crossing Borders. Again, I will add to, that I am not in any way uh, representing them. They have not sent me to do this. They have given me permission, however, to use their material to share with you. Stories from their blog. You can go to crossingbordersnk.org, crossingbordersnk.org, and find some of these stories. Pyonhua was instructed by her family to lie to the Chinese police when they came looking for her mother, a North Korean refugee. That day came when she was five years old, but in the chaos she forgot. She told the police that her mother was hiding in the shed out back. Pianhua's mother has never been heard from again. It takes a few stories like this to circulate and scare the tens of thousands of North Korean refugees in China. Each year, new stories surface, striking fear in the refugee population. China has been hunting down North Korean refugees since they adopted the zero-tolerance policy toward them shortly after the famine decimated North Korea in the 1990s. At times, China has been more aggressive about these crackdowns. At times, they've been less. But the net effect of these prolonged, persistent efforts has forced many North Korean refugees to make a hard decision to stay or leave. Excuse me. China's crackdown has been focused on regions near their border with North Korea, and they still regularly occur. This year, uh, our workers, that's crossing borders workers in China, reported a crackdown so severe in a small border district that there are hardly any North Koreans left. As a result, thousands of children have been separated from their mothers. In this town, a woman who was receiving aid from crossing borders was so desperate She took matters into her own hands. The woman purchased an ID from another woman in her village, told the authorities she had plastic surgery, and was able to get a passport with a new picture, her own. As she boarded the plane for South Korea, her first plane ride, she took a picture of herself to tell her husband she had made it. She's in South Korea today. China rarely takes quick measures to solve a social problem. They tend to take a long approach to these issues. In the case of their refugee problem, they've taken the strategy of cracking down on the refugees and networks who help them. As we shared before, China denied the visas or deported about a thousand foreign workers who supposedly had ties with North Korean support networks. With this move, China seems to be expanding their efforts to eliminate the population of North Korean refugees in their borders. The less support North Koreans in China have, the less North Korean refugees there will be. As a result, North Korean refugees have gone inland, where it's harder to find them. Though China's plan has worked, 
It has not eliminated the refugee problem and population. Many North Korean refugees have chosen to stay, learned how to blend in, and have forged a life for themselves. Another story, the Chinese police captured Byung-wook's mother when he was a young boy. He said he heard the police raid the home but was too afraid to come out of his room. When he came out of his room the next morning, his mother was gone. His father was sitting on the floor in shock. Byung-wook came to one of our group homes in 2009 and has struggled academically more than any other child in our network. His performance in school was so bad that his teachers refused to give him any tests to prevent him from bringing down the class average. They put little effort to bring Byung-wook up to speed in his studies. He spends most of his time in class sleeping. Such is the challenge of raising an academically challenged child in China, where opportunities are harder to come by, and it's harder to catch up if a child is behind. Well, last year, this organization, our organization, Crossing Borders, received sobering results from the surveys we administered. One of the biggest things we learned was that our orphans are ill-prepared for the future. Just 20% of our children have a realistic career plan with short mid- and long-term steps on how they will reach these goals. This is something we can help with. As these children get older, it's vital that we equip them with the tools they need to be self-sufficient. The average age of our children is 12.5 years old. Thinking about career paths poses a challenge for our staff, most of whom have been raised in a rural environment. It's difficult for them to see the importance of getting the right training to suit the type of career that each child wants. China has been rapidly changing. Over the past 30 years, the economy has shifted from mostly agrarian to highly industrialized. This means that the old way of obtaining and finding employment has been upended. Our workers need to be able to adjust so that our children can find meaningful employment and even be a benefit to the community at large. It's also difficult for them to think about such things as they deal with the daily needs of the children. That's why we feel that it's vital for us to educate our caretakers and give them practical tools to help each child become productive members of society. By the end of this year, we want to work with each child, age 14 and older, to have a clear and attainable career path. We work with our caretakers to make sure these plans are practical. This is why we believe it's necessary to deal with the challenges these children face from an organizational standpoint. While our caretakers provide a stable, loving, and nurturing environment for each child, crossing borders can come alongside these caretakers to provide additional help. They say it takes a village to raise a child. It's a unique village that Crossing Borders has created. We connect donors from around the world with experts, both in the U.S. and around the world, to provide the love and care that each of these children need. And, of course, you can help. You say, where is Jesus in all of that? Well, Jesus is everywhere in it because it's Jesus' people uh, that, are, that are the Crossing Borders people. And so, yes, they're helping these people who many of them are not Christians, helping them to just live their ordinary lives. But in the process, Christ is there. And they know Christ is there. They're given Bible studies and church experiences and told about Jesus. And, and, and anyone who wants to go on with Jesus is able. So Christ is right there in the middle of all this craziness in China and North Korea. Christ is there. 
helping people like he always does. We, uh, and then another article. We posted earlier about a refugee we were supporting in China. We refer to her as Boa. Boa spent years working in Chinese restaurants, hoping to both make a living and to receive training in the restaurant industry. She hoped to open her own restaurant one day. These hopes deteriorated over the course of three years. Boa's employers knew she was a North Korean refugee, but said they would pay her a reduced salary. Her pay became less and less frequent as time went on, and eventually she wasn't being paid at all. This is on top of the fact that she was a North Korean refugee in China. She had to watch out for police who could send her back to North Korea, where she would be sent to a prison camp and possibly executed. Boa had no legal recourse to recover the money she worked so hard for. So she made the difficult decision to take the modern-day Underground Railroad to Southeast Asia to gain refugee status in South Korea. But in South Korea, Boa's struggles continued. She had the equivalent of a third-grade education in North Korea, but she was in her early 20s. Boa has climbed back and has finished her high school education and will be attending college in the fall. When North Koreans began to pour into South Korea in the late 90s, the population struggled. They had a hard time adjusting to the advanced culture in South Korea, and many suffered from depression from the things they experienced both in North Korea and China. Though these struggles still persist, there have been many success stories. The average income for the population has gone up, and the people appear to be adjusting. An expert familiar with the population in Seoul told us, one of the biggest hurdles for these people to overcome is discrimination. The two Koreas have been at odds for over 60 years now, and each side has demonized the other. In the 80s, one could be arrested in South Korea if they spoke with a North Korean accent. The North Korean accent is distinct from that of the South, and people can easily be identified as North Korean by the way they speak. But many North Koreans have learned the new accent. They've learned the new phrases and terms that are commonly used in South Korea. As a result, they blend in much better. Many co-workers of North Korean refugees do not know that they have come from the North. Perception is also changing about North Korean refugees in South Korea. South Korea now airs a TV show whose title roughly translates to Now on My Way to Meet You, which focuses on humanizing North Korean refugees living in Seoul. It's become popular and has effectively shifted the perception about North Koreans to many South Korean watchers. Boa and many of the 27,000 refugees who have made it to South Korea are now on the road to recovery. There are horror stories and successes, but on the whole, they're on the rise. In 2011, it was estimated that North Korean refugees send about $11 million in remittances back to North Korea, a very reliable money transfer system. Though this population carries much pain and heartache, they're beginning to show signs of growth and improvement. We see these early refugees not only as survivors with an iron will, they are pioneers who are forging a new way to freedom for the many who will dare follow their lead. And again, you can go to that website and, and help. Here's the story of another person that was taken in by crossing borders. Suki lived with her husband and daughter in a North Korean mining town. 
After her husband died in an accident in North Korea, she had no means of supporting herself and her daughter. She decided to take the risky journey to China to find work. Crossing Borders has never encountered a refugee who has been in China for longer than Suki. She's been in China for about 20 years, which means that she was one of the first to flee during the famine. Suki was told to her, or sold to her current husband, who is severely disabled from a fishing accident. He doesn't have arms and is blind because of an explosion on his fishing boat. She was told her husband was severely disabled by her traffickers, but was offered no alternative. She and her husband live in northeast China in utter poverty. They scour their city every day looking for garbage they could exchange for money. They live on about $50 a month, which is considered extremely poor for her area. Their resources are even more stretched because they have a teenage son. A few years ago, Suki found out that her daughter in North Korea died. Her daughter was 11 years old when Suki left, and she found out about her daughter's death a couple years later when she received a picture of her daughter's famished body. Suki had been having a saving money to bring her daughter to China. When we first told her that we could help her, she was suspicious. Well, I can't join your church because I have no money, she said. There's an acute distrust of Christians in her city because there have been cults and other churches in the area who have swindled money from the people there. During our staff's lunch meeting with her, Suki was very uncomfortable, was not able to eat anything besides vegetables and rice. She repeatedly asked what she needed to do to receive the aid. We assured her that she didn't need to do anything. For the first time in her life, Suki was being offered a helping hand. The concept was so foreign to her, she didn't know what to do. In addition to her abject poverty, she's an illegal immigrant of China. When she collects garbage with her husband, she has to watch out for any potential threats to both herself because of her illegal status and her husband because, well, he's blind. We hope that through our aid, she'll be able to reach her full God-given potential. And thanks to all of you who are involved in her restoration. So, to be able to receive a gift and and not think there's any strings attached. An incredible, incredible difficulty there. Pray for North Korea. And pray for God's people who are there lending a helping hand as God's people love to do when Jesus is in them. True religion, didn't uh, James say? True religion that's approved by God. And, and there is a true religion. We often hear that religion is bad. Religion is good or can be good if it's the Jesus religion. And it is to be so filled with God that you want to help the orphans, you want to help the widows, and you want to keep yourself totally unspotted from the world. That's true religion. And it looks like certain North Koreans and Chinese too are are seeing it up close and personal. Pray for these people. CrossingBordersNK.org is how you can get in touch with them. God bless you today. Tomorrow, well, we think we'll do another Bible question and answer. How's that? Meanwhile, Isaiah 42, verses 23 and 24 is how we started. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will listen and hear for the time to come? 